That's the song In These Troubled Times from family musicians Dan and Claudia Zanes. It's on their new album, Let Love Be Your Guide, put out by Smithsonian Folkways. The album was conceived during the COVID-19 pandemic and the 2020 Black Lives Matter uprisings. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. Dan and Claudia Zanes are our guests on this week's show to talk about how the album came together and its themes of anti-racism, social justice, and the joys of community. And if the name Dan Zanes is familiar to you, it's because he's the former lead singer of the 1980s rock band, The Del Fuegos. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. It's great to be here, George. Claudia, such a pleasure. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. This is the first duo album you've released. Have the two of you collaborated musically before you started to work on this album? Well, I met Dan back in 2016. A mutual musician friend introduced us to each other, and that's when Dan was working on the Smithsonian Folkways record, Lead Belly Baby. And he had a lot of guest artists on there, so he invited me to sing a couple of songs. So I, it's our first collaboration with just the two of us, really. But I did do a little bit in that one too. And and we we also um, we were commissioned by the Kennedy Center to create um, mm. America's first sensory-friendly comic folk opera, which we did soon after the Smithsonian record that Claudia right. mentioned. So we had that. So what was it like to work together? on music like this? I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I think it's, it's such a, a unique opportunity to be with your partner in music in this way, your partner in life. Um, I think it reveals so many, so many layers to the person, your relationship, the intimacy levels, the trust levels. So it's a, it's a real spiritual thing for us, I think. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, I don't know, I feel like it's a deeper way of getting to know your partner. So music making is, is a gift. I feel very blessed to be able to do it with Dan. Yeah, and the music came first. That was what we did the day we met. We spent mm-hmm. the whole afternoon singing with with our friend Pauline Jean, and um, so that's how we that's how we got to know each other was through singing songs around the table. Right. And we're sitting at the table right now <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> but we know the power of music and how it really can connect us to one another. So that happened from day one. No doubt some artists struggled during the lockdown to stay motivated to work. How did you stay creative and keep making music? We, um, we landed on a, on a pretty good idea on the first day of the national state of emergency in, in March 2020. Um, it took us about three minutes. It was just a, a brief conversation. We didn't really attach much to it. We said, why don't we put out a video of a song every day until this until we come out on the other side, thinking that it would probably be a month or two. And so we started the Social Isolation Song Series, and we went for 200 consecutive days, um, every day putting out, putting out a video of, an, of another song. And along the way, we wrote everything that appears on this new album. Mm-hmm. 
But I would say too, George, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, every day was, I wouldn't say every day I was inspired to make music. That was mm -hmm. not the reality. Um, most days I was, but as we know, we were living in this, this moment of this pandemic, but there was also very much a racial pandemic that was happening in this country. And some days were really hard to get out of bed. Some days were really hard to face the music of what was happening in our, in our country. So um, there were times where I just, it was really difficult, you know, it was really, really difficult. But I will say, I never, even if I didn't feel like making music that day after I was done making music with Dan, I never had a regret. So it always felt good. There was always a release that came in creating music all the time. But um, at the same time, I know that, again, the power of music and music helps us move through things. And I had to see the bigger picture, too, and just knowing that our music is not necessarily just for us, but how can we inspire other people? Because I know a lot of folks were feeling very, very similar to how I was feeling as well. Despite the heavy topics this album explores, many of the songs have a joyful and sometimes playful feel to them. Why was this lightness of sound important for your message? Uh, because um, I'm glad I'm glad you hear that. We mm -hmm. feel it for sure. Mm -hmm. um, joy is joy is essential. Right. The whole thing, you know, if we put out a record just kind of focusing on the 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 issues around social justice, racial justice, mm -hmm. equity. You know, if we if we were to if we were to to bear down on all that without the joy. Um, that's just, I don't know that that's a party that, that, that our listeners are going to come to and our listeners are, are all ages, but we feel it. We feel it though. You know, we feel that we, we feel that joy and, you know, in, in spite of everything, in spite of everything, we feel it. And, you know, we're, like we said earlier, we're alive, we're together, we're, we're, we're able to make music, we're able to share that music with the world. I mean, we have so much to be grateful mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, these are the these are the gifts we were given and to have the opportunity to share them is uh, in itself a joyful experience. Mm -hmm. What were the musical influences that contributed to this album? Well, I say some of it definitely is is Haitian roots music we call it we consider ourselves an electric folk duo and the electric sounds of the island of the country of Haiti where my family mm -hmm. is from um, and again just that understanding of you can be facing trials and challenges and tribulations but at the same time music can be a way to get through the day music is a way of telling our story so there's so many it's I'd say so much influence through gospel music through Haitian music through Americana. I mean, the list goes on. The the, the artwork of um, Patrick Doerr, mm -hmm. artwork of Natalie Jolivare. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of artists, I think, really influence how we make music um, when we see what they're putting together. So, when, you know, when we think about electric folk, it's really it's it's music, it's it's visual, it's a, it's a, it's almost like a state of mind yeah. that includes. Um, an effort to look at what's going on and to and to shape it in some way that mm -hmm. sort of speaks to our humanity. It's electric folk. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia, let me take a step back here because you mentioned Haiti. How is everyone considering what's happened in Haiti with the earthquake? Ah, uh, George, things are not good. Things are not good. Um, 
But I will say as, I mean, it's, it's tiring to even say this, you know, sometimes you get tired of being so resilient. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just want to be, you want to be held by softness and not have to be strong all the time. But I will say my people are a very strong people. They are no str a stranger to oppression and disaster and challenges. So I know we will get through it, but it is a very, very difficult time uh, in the country right now. And so you know, any way that folks are able to support, um, to uplift this country that's been through so much, I just highly encourage people to do so. But thank you for asking. My, my immediate family is doing all right. Um, but as you can imagine, when you lose so much, I mean, just because you have your life doesn't mean everything is okay. They're still facing a lot of challenges. Yeah, no question. Our thoughts and prayers are there as well. No question at all. The title track on Let Love Be Your Guide is dedicated to Representative John Lewis, who died last year. How did he help to inspire this song and the album as a whole? I think it was July 20th of last summer. You know, we were, things were, things were really in motion. Um, you know, it was sort of the, the, the period that, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, there was so much going on at that time. And, um, and and John Lewis died, and his funeral was on July 20th. And so at that point, we were we were starting to run out of songs that said what we wanted to say, and um, so we were we were really we were trying to reflect as best we could and as quickly as we could what what we felt was in the air. The winds of change are on your side. Let love be your guide. Dave John Lewis's funeral, we watched the funeral and then we read the op-ed that, that was published in the New York Times that same day, the day of his funeral. Talk about an exit strategy, that was incredible. And it was just such a moving thing and to read, you know, to read what he wanted to pass on to people in that op-ed, it was, it was short and it was, it was straightforward, but it was so powerful. So we just sat down at the at the kitchen table and, and wrote the song, mm -hmm. you know, in a couple hours and made the video later that day and mm -hmm. and put it out and and we've been singing it ever since. So that was really it. It just felt like um, th there's so many hard edges. There's so many hard edges, and so uh, just the idea of letting love be your guide mm -hmm. um, through those through those hard edges. You know, it just it just spoke to us on some kind of deep level right and the message was just so timely with everything that was happening the song coming down discusses social issues like police violence white supremacy and exploitation how do you go about addressing social justice issues and racism in a way that young listeners can understand and relate to well this is this is kind of how you know that's a that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> and and we we just did what we felt was you know we were just singing the songs that came to us and we felt a you know a responsibility to the songs can you see it coming down 
supremacy coming down Bars of oppression coming down Oh, hierarchies coming down Someday we could all be free But if you think about it, in 2020, the families are all under one roof. Everybody's gathering together. It's not a time when the young folks are off doing their thing, the older people are doing, you know, everybody's together. Every, you know, figuratively and literally, everybody's together at the table talking about what's going on. And sometimes you're talking, you know, sometimes the conversation is reparations. Sometimes the conversation is systems of oppression. Sometimes the conversation is what happened to John Lewis. Sometimes the conversation is you just got to laugh. You got to laugh and you got to tickle a three-year-old. Right, right. But I think also we see ourselves, we're artists first. And I think that the messages that we are putting out into the world too, we don't necessarily feel as though we are the teachers, but it's about planting seeds so that families Mm -hmm. can have more in-depth conversations as well. So we kind of, we put it out there and then families can go as deep as they choose to go, whatever they feel is appropriate with their with their young person. I think you just answered my next question, but I'll ask it anyway. What would you say to a naysayer who believes that music for families should steer clear of politics? Mm. Well, we, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there and there's a lot of music to choose from. And, and I think we're making the music for the people who, who right. are looking for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's not going to be for everybody. Right. And, and I think, you know, we just happen to believe that exposing young people to ideas early on is a good idea mm-hmm. and if somebody doesn't doesn't want to get with that program that's okay mm-hmm. it's really and it's got to be okay mm-hmm. you know it's got to be like a live and let live thing here we're just you know we're just doing our thing and the challenge is just to, to find the people that are looking for this right. and we know that music can be that entry point to having these deeper conversations what would you say are among the biggest misconceptions when it comes to children's music versus adult music, the misconceptions that people have? Well, I think, you know, I think that you can have these deep and meaningful conversations with young people. I think sometimes we underestimate what young folks are able to to hold. Um, I think sometimes we focus so much on shielding them from things that they end up having to deal with later on in life or feel that they were misled. Um, And every family structure is different. I know that for me, there was a lot of deep conversations that happened around my table. We talked about reparations. That was not a a weird word to say in my household, you know, that wasn't an uncomfortable topic. So I think it's, you know, that kids are, and hearing the grownups talk about these things, it opened my mind as a young person as well. So I, I think that is something that we sometimes underestimate what kids are really capable of of carrying. I'm not saying overburden them, but I think at, at appropriate to their development stages, we can have um, deeper conversations with them. I know, I know when I was growing up that uh, there was so much that was um, taught or implied that, um, you know, I'm speaking about white culture, really, um, you know, speaking broadly about white culture, taught and or implied that didn't really ask for critical thinking, um, you know. And f- for example, it's the land of the free and the home of the brave. You know, like, that's what it is. I mean, we sang it all the time. Of course it's true. It's got to be true. And, um, you know, so it didn't ask us to question. And um, and so, you know, it wasn't until I was in my 
late 30s that I even got around to that. So I was, in a sense, in a, in a childlike state, you know, until I learned to question things. And, and, it, and from that comes freedom. You know, there's freedom and liberation and the possibility of, of being a useful member of society. So these are positives. <laughs> Collective liberation, all of that. One of the tracks on the album, Two Different Worlds, explores how you both navigate your interracial marriage. How did your different perspectives and personal experiences influence the writing process for this track and the album as a whole? Uh, tremendously. <laughs> um, you know, I, Dan and I just have such a high respect. We, we understand and we know that we come from two very different lived experiences and that has to be, we couldn't be together if that couldn't be welcomed in our relationship. We can't look and say it's two different worlds. Two different worlds I just could not see. I wouldn't say it's that I need Dan to completely understand everything I've gone through, but I have to have a place where I can share with him what's on my heart. We both were we both were born in New Hampshire. We had two very different experiences <laughs> living in New Hampshire. So it's really about... Uh, it's about bringing where we've come from in our experiences and, and being open to communicating that with each other and also communicating that with the world. And, and I know that, um, you know, as a white guy in an interracial relationship, if I wasn't, if I wasn't participating in anti-racist mm-hmm. work, you know, if I wasn't a part of an on, you know, ongoing um, white anti-racist community, um, and I'll just a little sideline. All you white folks out there, I, I'm inviting you to come to Constructive White Conversations. That's constructivewhiteconversations.org. And that's a, it's a growing white anti-racist community. And, and for me, that's how I was able to begin doing the work that um, could help me to be it, you know, in an interracial mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. and not make a mess of everything. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the importance of this album coming out over a year after the mass Black Lives Matter protests of 2020. I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking. <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm trying to throw it over to Claudia. We were, we were, we're always trying to write songs that, that, are, that speak to a moment but have a universal core so that the songs there's so there's no expiration date Mm -hmm. on on the songs so that's that was our that was our hope was that these songs would last that you know the issues are still with us Claudia anything you want to add to that no I mean I yeah I feel like it it really just marks a moment in time like Dan said there is no expiration but I think it's just an emotional this is such an emotional record for me like you know it, it we faced a lot in 2020 and to know you know when i when i listen to the record now i i really do get emotional because i know where we were and i know how sometimes we like to think of how far we've come but sometimes you know i could i could hear certain songs being sung in the 50s i could hear certain songs being sung in the 40s and and in 2021 so it's it's really emotional but um i i'm i'm so proud of the work that we did um to be living in a black neighborhood in a black city in baltimore 
um, and to have collaborated with all these Baltimorean artists as well. It, it really is just such a, a remarkable project, if I do say so myself. I'm just really, really proud of it. And um, I'm, I'm just excited that it's coming out a year later. It's, it's, it's something I think we can all just look back at and just remember where we've come from and what we've all gone through collectively as a, as a people. Is there a song on the album, Claudia, that touches around? Yep. Got a little dog in the back there. Who's the, tell me about the dog. <laughs> this is our, this is our COVID puppy, actually. We got COVID her puppy. back in December. <laughs> this is Rezzy. Oh my and goodness. She's actually, <laughs> and she's actually named after both of my uh, great grandmothers. Both of them were named Rezzy, so. This is our little res ball. Rezzy is adorable. <laughs> adorable. I'm a little tired. I saw you on there. <laughs> so I was asking, is there a song on the album that resonates most with you? Mm. you most? Wow. I, I, I would, you know, one of the songs that speaks to me so deeply is the song, The Bridge. If you can't see me, what do you see? If you can't see me, what do you see? I'm a black queen through and through. It's clear in every little thing I do. If you can't see me, what do you see? Just again about black identity, how we show up in the world, um, and sometimes the invisibility that we feel uh, within the world, that I feel within the world. Um, so just making that statement of, you know, just challenging people, how do you look at others? How do you see people, um, through what eyes are you looking at folks that don't look like you? What is your thought process? What assumptions do you make? Do you take the time to get to know these people? What fears come up for, you know, so I really do resonate with that song. And I also resonate with the, um, the, all of them really, but the Haitian Creole song, Kilem Up Well Wonko, which is the, when will I see you again? And just remembering again, what we all went through and how difficult it was to not see our loved ones in the ways that we're used to seeing them. So just wondering when that time will come where we can embrace again and be in each other's presence. Those are two that really resonate with me today. Every day the heart is learning. Dan, how about you? Wow, um, I like that. I like that Kile Mapuyonko a lot. That's that's one of my that's one of my favorites. Um, I think part of that, from part of the reason I like it, is because it's um, it's also about the passing of time, and I think in all this. Uh, just thinking about you know I think becoming more aware this year that our that our time here is so limited mm -hmm. you know it's extremely mm -hmm. limited and what are we going to do what are we going to do while we're here so I, I, I appreciate that um, and uh, I like the long hot summer nights I think you know that's I guess that's a, that's about time too um, or memories every ray of the sun Tells you it's endless, but the clouds in the sky say, no, it won't last. So take the cool morning dreams when you would lie awake in thoughts of a better time. Don't let them pass. Try and hold on and remember when September Through the long hot summer nights 
just thinking about community you know I feel like so much of the record is really is really about community the, the joys of community and the importance of community and that's something I didn't know for a lot of my life you know so I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm I'm having that awareness now so that that song speaks to to that for me the song Reparations is a must, 4th of July song, juxtaposes classic imagery associated with the holiday with a call for reparations for a history of racism and discrimination. What inspired you to connect this message with the 4th of July holiday? I think that's kind of when we wrote it, right? When yeah. It was right around that time, and you know, we really wanted to create a song that was very invitational, if you will. I mean, that that sort of uh, chorus, that reparations is a must, sort of a drone that just kind of happens throughout the song. Hey, y'all, it's the 4th of July here in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland, and you're listening to Today with Dr. K. I'm Dr. K. Wise Whitehead, and here is one that we have been waiting for, a love song for this particular day. Now, you can say that many of us have been singing something like this for a very long time. Reparations is a must. (laughs) I know that's right. See how the flags are flying. Reparations is a must. While the old ways are quickly dying. Reparations is a must And the fireworks in the night sky Tomorrow's poison dust Our parades across the nation Ooh, reparations is a must um, But it was, it was happening around the 4th of July and we thought this should be a 4th of July love song. A campfire sing-along, if you will, where people gather and think about what are we, you know, what we are celebrating on the 4th of July when we think about Independence Day, what that really means. And yeah, so we, I don't know. And it it felt like, if you know, I think electric folk, electric folk music is kind of like oldies radio, you know, when you could listen to oldies, find an oldies station and it's music from the 50s and early 60s. And we were, you know, just trying to think about you know, what would, if Dion and the Belmonts were coming up today, what would they sing? They would probably sing a song like Reparations is a Must. You know, it would make, it would make a lot more sense than Teenager in Love at, at this point in time. <laughs> Claudia, you mentioned the collaborations. Talk to me more about the people that you collaborated with for this album. Yeah, so we collaborated with a couple of Baltimorean MCs. Um, there's a woman named Ashley Sierra, someone else, Jay Pope. We also have um, MC uh, Easy Jackson. We um, collaborated with Amadou Kuyate, who is a Cora player, incredible Cora player. Um, Isabel De Leon, who is a fantastic percussionist. I think she's based in DC. And um, our friend, Mike Laurie, who's a drummer for a band out here, a pretty big band in Baltimore called... Future Islands. Future Islands, that's right. So a lot of, and then a jazz bassist, Jeff Reed. Am I forgetting anyone? Some friends that I went to college with at Berkeley College of Music way back when that moved to Baltimore, uh, Grace and Philip Farrell, incredible singers, and they're, they re- they're raising their family here in Baltimore, so they all are on the record as well. Um, who am I missing? 
I think that's um, Yesenia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's friends, friends and neighbors. Really? It's, mm-hmm. it's an unbelievable city for creative people. It sure is. We knew that the, the first time we came to Baltimore, I think within three days, we decided we would move here. Now, of course, Dan, you started with the group, the Del Fuegos, and you moved into writing family music. What inspired that move to family music for you back then? It was just, you know, it's funny. It's so great to be on Smithsonian Folkways because it was the Folkways records that I grew up with was really what inspired me to start wanting to make music. It was really just for my daughter and her friends. You know, at that time, it felt like the music for young people was very commercial. You know, everything was tied. It felt like it was tied into a TV show or a movie. And I was thinking about the Lead Belly records that I had grown up with and wondering what the updated version of that would be and so I just started making it for the neighbors and um, this was at the my daughter was born in 94 so it was you know the end of the 90s and um, and you know I put out a solo record at the time and you know 12 people loved it but everybody everybody that I knew wanted copies of this cassette tape that I had made of of the music for families and um and so I just, you know, just like we decided to move to Baltimore, it took three days. It took me about three days to decide that I would leave pop music behind forever and, and just make this music for all ages. It was you know, just such an uplifting experience from the beginning. All right, Dan and Claudia Zanes, thank you so much for your time. This was fabulous. Thank uh, George, you, George, thank for you. having us. What really appreciate this. For more information about Dan and Claudia Zane and their new album, Let Love Be Your Guide, check out danandclaudia.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Abby Delk, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah.